So when you think about devotion, ask yourself, what am I devoted to? Consider where you spend your time, where you spend your energy, where you spend your money, and that'll give you a clue to what you're devoted to. What we're devoted to says a whole lot about how we see ourselves, what our identity is. It says about uh, where we belong. It says a lot about what we view our purpose for on this earth. Now, Nobody would uh, argue that Tiger Woods is devoted to the game of golf. Um, if you uh, watched the Masters last week, you saw a miraculous comeback. But if you know anything about the, the history of Tiger Woods, even a casual observer knows he was a child prodigy. He started playing golf at the age of three. Uh, if you were watching the Masters last week, you will see there was a commercial released right after he won, and the commercial shows a 10-year-old uh, tiger, a, a toddler tiger, saying that he wants to beat Jack Nicklaus. Uh, when he was 10 years old, he watched Jack Nicholas, a 46-year-old Jack Nicholas, come from behind in 1986 to win the Masters. And he said, thinking back on that day, he said, you know, I, I don't remember a lot about my thoughts except that I wanted to be where Jack was, and I wanted to do that. Ten years old. Now, uh, if you're even just a casual observer, you know that uh, he's on pace to uh, probably win more PGA tournaments than anybody else. He still has not passed Jack Nicklaus. Uh, some of you know that uh, over the past uh, 10 years or so, he's gone through a lot of struggles. He's made some really big mistakes. Uh, he, uh, his marriage ended because of infidelity. Um, he had a DUI. He's had four back surgeries. Um, he himself doubted whether he could ever come back and play at the level he was playing. He even doubted at some points if he would ever be able to walk again because of the issues uh, with his back. But last weekend, he was behind when Sunday began, and by the end of the day, he was the last golfer standing. He was the one who won. Now, here's the deal. Uh, the reason that captured so many people's attention over the week is because everybody likes a comeback. Everybody likes to see somebody who's been down and out get redeemed. Everybody likes to know personally, you know, no matter how much I mess up, there's a chance. There's a chance that I can make it right, that I can do it better, that maybe I can have a, a do-over in life. Today is Easter. Today is the day where we celebrate that Jesus, who was dead and buried in a tomb, whose followers thought that it was all over, was raised from the dead. The tomb is empty. He has been brought back to life and defeated sin and death. So this morning, this is what I want you to realize, is Easter reveals God's full devotion to us. Easter reveals God's full devotion to you and to me. Now, let's just think about this past week, all right? Christians around the world recounted the devotion of God through Jesus Christ for all of humanity. It started the week with Palm Sunday, and then it quickly went to his Last Supper, 
that was celebrated for some Christians on Thursday, for some on Good Friday. Uh, then remember that he was uh, arrested, he was beaten, he was tried, he was convicted, he was executed, and he died and he was buried. You know, uh, Christians call this the Passion of Christ, this time from Palm Sunday through Good Friday, because it goes back to the Latin word for suffering, which is pronounced passum, um. and so the Passion of Christ is his suffering. When you read through those scriptures about the Passion of Christ, you see how complete and devastating his suffering was. From the emotional pain that Jesus reveals in the garden where he's overwhelmed with sadness and he asks his father to take the suffering away from him to the physical pain and the torture that he endured leading up to his crucifixion and on the cross. To the spiritual pain he experienced on the cross when he felt abandoned by God and he cried out in despair. And Jesus endured it all. Jesus was devoted to the mission that God had sent him to earth to bring humanity back, to become their Savior. The book of Hebrews refers to Jesus' devotion this way. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. For the joy set before him. It was joy for Jesus to devote himself to the fulfillment of our salvation. Along the way, as we follow through his life, so when you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Joe, when you read through them, you see Jesus giving us hints and clues about the joy that he saw as being the Savior of the world. Once he told a story about about sheep. This is what he said. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and you lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And when found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. Count on it. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescue life than over 99 good people who are in no need of rescue. This is what Jesus was telling us. He was telling us that that he's the good shepherd who is fully devoted to his people, to the sheep of his pasture. He wants us to find and save. He wants to find and save those who have wandered away from them, those who don't know him, those who are lost. In fact, he's so committed to his sheep, Jesus said some amazing things about his devotion that foreshadowed his death. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You cannot get more devoted to someone than to die for them so that they might live. But here's the thing about what Jesus did. He died for the people who didn't deserve his sacrifice. He, he didn't, they didn't deserve it because they weren't people who loved him. They weren't people who believed in him. They weren't people that accepted him. He died for people before they even knew he was coming into the world. 
He died for them regardless of what they would ever do with him. The Bible says this about human nature. No one is really willing to die for an honest person, though someone might be willing to die for a truly good person. But Jesus died for us while we were sinners, while we were still God's enemies. Now, some people would like to say that Jesus was just a good person, that he was a good teacher who was a martyr. And in the history of the world, there have been countless good people who died for others. And that would be correct. There are countless good people who have been martyrs and died for others. But what separates Jesus from all of those is the very reason why we are here today. Jesus did more than die for us. He came back to life. He rose from the grave. And in doing so, he defeated the power that sin and death have on all of us. That's why we celebrate Easter with proclamations like, He is risen and He is risen indeed. The resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that there is a God who loves us and wants us to know Him. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that there is a God who cares for us and for our eternal destinies. The resurrection of Jesus Christ tells us that there is a God who is devoted to loving every single person in this room and every single person in the world. And he wants to make sure that they have the opportunity to know him forever. Devotion is like that. Devotion is is moving. Devotion is powerful. It's motivating. When somebody's devoted to us, it moves us and it means that we should respond. So God's devotion to us deserves a response from us. If you were like me this week, you probably watched in shock and amazement as the Cathedral of Notre Dame burned. I mean, this is a church that has stood for over 750 years, and it's one of the most widely recognized buildings in Paris, much less in the nation of France. Anne Voskamp reflected on what happened this week, and she wrote these words, and I want to share them with you because they're powerful. She said, On the Monday of Holy Week, in one of the most secular countries on the globe, in the midst of a fire hungrily devouring the planet's most famous Gothic church, a chain of humanity formed to pass from one hand to the other what is believed to be the nail that held Jesus to the cross on Golgotha, the piercing thorns from the crown that pierced his brow, and a very piece of the cross itself. Now, regardless of the veracity of these relics, this is what matters, that people think that any of this still matters. There is a story here that survives that fire. There's a narrative that is formative and it forms the essence of us and it will rise from the flames. This story survives. There's truth that we are tethered to and it's an anchor for the ages that steadies the world and civilizations. We all globally witnessed it at the beginning of this week in a postmodern culture where many think that the culture has grown beyond the story of Christ. 
but it's his story that stays with us and grows beyond ourselves. You see, even in this world, we are all still actually willing to brave fire, to risk life and limb, to link arms with fellow human beings, to hold on to a bit of the holy that is linked to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. That life and death devotion to Christ that was demonstrated this week in that fire as it raged is something that we all should take notice of. The passion, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus clearly tell us of his devotion to us. That kind of devotion gives humanity hope and peace, and it's lasted for over 2,000 years. Understanding the devotion of Jesus Christ to us should make us respond in faith as people have for centuries. So let me ask you, how will you respond? When Jesus was arrested and crucified, his disciples were afraid. They stayed in hiding. Only one of them showed his face at the crucifixion. But when they discovered that Jesus was alive, that he has risen from the dead, and they went and saw him, and they spoke to him, and some of them, like Thomas, touched his hand to see if he was real, they were excited and they were joyful. And several weeks after the resurrection, emboldened by the power of God's Holy Spirit, the disciples of Jesus took to the streets of Jerusalem, and one of them, Peter, began to preach about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is what he said. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, when the crowds heard this and they understood the devotion of God and what God had done for them, the Bible says that they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the disciples, Brothers, what shall we do? And in answer to that question, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The people asked how they should respond. And Peter told them how to respond, and they did by the thousands. They responded in faith. They repented, which means they admitted that they had sinned against God, that they, they had disobeyed God. And they asked for forgiveness from God. And then they professed their faith that Jesus had died for their sins and that he had been raised back to life. And then 
they began to follow Jesus. They began to do what he taught because now they identified themselves as followers of Jesus. You see, they grasped the devotion that God has for them, that God would die so that they could know him and spend eternity with him. They responded by believing and following. So what about you? What are you devoted to? Are you devoted to the things of this world, to career, to people, to sports, to something else? Those things aren't going to last. You know, as great as Tiger Woods' golf was last Sunday, it's not going to last for him. Whatever earthly thing you're devoted to, it will not last forever. But God's devotion to you is eternal because he knows that when he created us, when he knit us together in our mother's womb, not only did he create a physical body, but he created a spiritual soul. And one day our bodies are going to cease to live. But our souls will go on for eternity somewhere. And Jesus said, I want you to know me so that your souls go on forever with me in eternity. So how will you respond? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask them to play a song. It's a song that we, we've sung around here before. And I want you to listen to the words. And if you know it, I invite you to sing along. But, but the words to this song are powerful. Remember earlier, I read the story in Jesus' own words of the parable of the lost sheep. Remember the shepherd had a hundred sheep in his flock, but he lost one. Now, think this through. Jesus tells this story and said, you know what? He's going to leave the 99 who are vulnerable to lions and tigers and bears. All right. Oh, my. Yeah. He's going to leave the 99. You know, the people hearing this would say, yeah, you lost one, but you don't want to leave the 99 vulnerable. That would be reckless. But this good shepherd leaves the 99 out of a reckless love and devotion to them all, but particularly to the one who is lost. And this shepherd goes and finds this sheep and brings it back. You know, this shepherd will do whatever it takes. And the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, has shown us his devotion that he will do whatever it takes to bring you and I to God so that we can know him now in this lifetime and we can spend forever with him in eternity. Think on these words. Let them wash over you. Let them speak to you in the depths of your soul. There's no shadow this good shepherd won't light up. No mountain he won't climb up coming after you. There's no wall he won't knock down. No lie, he won't tear down coming after you. That's reckless love for you. Maybe you're thinking, you know, Clark, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done and how far I've strayed. You 
don't know that I once was in the flock, but I did some stuff when I left the flock. Or you may not know, Clark, that, that I've just been lost forever. I don't, but God does. And you know what? He still died on the cross for you. He still loves you. He says, I'll do whatever it takes for you to know me and live with me in this lifetime and spend eternity with me and the Father. I want you there. So let me ask you, how are you going to respond? Will you respond in faith and tell him that you believe in him? Will you respond in faith and tell him that you're going to follow him? Will you respond and recommit yourself to that relationship of one who will do whatever it takes to let you know that he loves you forever and wants to spend forever with you? I want to spend a little bit of time in prayer. And in that prayer time, I'm going to give some of you the opportunity to, to respond. And, and so I want you to. I want you just to, to pray these words. So if you would, just bow your heads. Close your eyes. Father, we thank you for the, the good shepherd who died on the cross for our sins and didn't stay dead, who rose from the grave and said, I love you. And I want you to spend eternity with me. And I want you to know me in your lifetime. And I'll do whatever it takes for that to happen. So we praise you for that. And Lord, I know there's some of us in this room here today that have never said, you know, Jesus, I do believe you. I, I, I do accept that regardless of what's happened in my life, regardless of what I've done, I, I get it. You love me and you want me to know you. And that's why you died on the cross. Or, God, I've wandered far, but I, I'm back. And I'm grateful you that you'll take me back. Or, God, I just need to recommit to you. Look, if that's your story, or if you just want to tell them you believe in them, you've just never done it, I'm going to invite you to pray a silent prayer right now, okay? So I'm just going to give you some phrases, and you can repeat them silently to God. This is between you and God. I'm just going to, you know, give you some words to say. So here we go. Jesus, I see your devotion to me. And I want to respond. Jesus, I see that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Jesus, I see that you rose from the dead to defeat sin and death. Now, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe that you'll do whatever it takes to save me for eternity, but also to walk with me in this life. And just with, continue with our eyes closed. We'll say amen. But God, I thank you. I thank you for, for what you've done for us. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Hey, let me ask you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, will you do something? Will you pull out that welcome card and just write your email on it, all right? And, and if you prayed that prayer for the first time, do this. Just raise your hand because we want to celebrate with the commitment. Go ahead. Don't be shy. All right. That's awesome. There you go. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Celebrate. 
So really, put your name on that welcome card and your email because what you've done today has eternal significance. And I just want to help you in that commitment. I want to send you some things that will help you grow in your faith as you follow the one who will do whatever it takes to love you.